life-giving reproof will dwell among the wise. Whoever ignores instruction despises himself, but he who listens to reproof gains intelligence. The fear of the Lord is instruction and wisdom, and humility comes before honor. This is God's word. You may be seated. Well, you notice on your notes that the first of these Proverbs tonight, verse 28, is titled, Desire a Disciplined Tongue. Look at the first part of verse 28, the heart of the righteous. Now, the term heart in the Bible normally does not refer to the organ inside of us that beats, but it's referring to the inner person, and it's it refers to several different parts of the inner person, and one of those parts is the mind, and that's what this is talking about here. The mind of the righteous ponders how uh, to answer. Now, the righteous person is a believer, that is, someone who has come in repentance of their sin and to put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. They're a believer. They're a child of God. They have the righteousness of Christ. And so uh, they are called in the book of Proverbs uh, the righteous. And in this case, uh, the righteous ponders how to answer. Now, that's not just to answer a question. But it's it's broader than that. It's how to respond to what is said. Uh, more often than not, we're not responding to questions by giving an answer, but uh, so many other things are said in the course of a conversation. And, um, you know, we want to keep the conversation going. So how do we respond to what they have said, even when they're not asking a question? So think about it. Uh, some people are speaking to us with criticism, a critical spirit. Um, how do you respond to that? Some people are talking to us full of praise. How do you respond to that? Other people are coming and they're just pouring out all this gossip. How do you respond to that? Or here's a person complaining about their circumstances. How do you respond uh, to that? Or a person is fearful. They're telling you all about, they're afraid of this. And so how do you respond to that? So it gets very practical because we're constantly responding to all kinds of things coming uh, from, from people. How many times have we wished that we could take back words that we said in haste? And without thought, I hate to think of how many times uh, that has been my experience. But um, they've not through, thought through that whole issue. James chapter 1 verse 9 says, Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear. Well, that's a great thing, very important thing. And then slow to speak and slow to anger. Now, that comes for, as part of the fruit of the Holy Spirit that's described in Galatians chapter 5. Uh, to be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. So if, if we are, are wanting to be slow to speak, that means we're going to think through 
what is the best thing the Lord would have me to say? So there, I think, are two key elements in pondering how to answer. One is the Word of God. What does the Word of God say that has bearing on what we want to respond to? If it's gossip, if it's fear, or if it's praise, regardless what it is. But then also uh, prayer, that we are uh, praying. Now, I realize in the course of conversation, we don't interrupt uh, the conversation. Oh, let me pray about that. But but we have an attitude of prayer, and, and we are in our mind as we're hearing that. You know, turning to the Lord, Lord, show me what you would have me to say on this. Um, he then goes on, the righteous ponders how to answer, but the mouth of the wicked, um, and the wicked is the non-believer, and uh, the mouth of the wicked speaks from their heart. And because they are unregenerated, they are not a child of God, their heart is full of wickedness. And uh, therefore, what they say comes out of a heart of wickedness. And so he says, the mouth of the wicked pours out evil things. Interestingly enough, the Hebrew word that's translated pours is used of a bubbling brook in Proverbs chapter 18, verse 4. We've all seen uh, a natural spring, a bubbling brook, and it just keeps bubbling up. That's kind of the idea of only in a negative sense for the wicked person. It just keeps bubbling, coming up out of their, out of their mouth. And sometimes we will hear a person's excuse for, for wicked things coming out of their mind. Well, I'm just being honest. Uh, you have probably heard that. Well, I'm just being honest, and da 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 da. The problem is, it results in a lot more evil than honesty. We are to be careful what we say, how we respond. Have your words left a trail of destruction with people? Unfortunately, I can think of some people I've known in other places who. Uh, they just leave a terrible tale of destruction of so many people because of the words that just seem to, to come out of their mouths. So there is an important verse in Psalms that we should just kind of focus on uh, in our prayer time with the Lord when we're praying for ourselves. This is one thing we should pray for ourselves. Psalm 141 verse 3. Set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips. What an important prayer. Uh, set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips. And have that attitude. Lord, I don't want to just say the first thing that comes out of my mind. I want it to be godly. I want it to be from you. So that's an important proverb to give us wisdom in daily life. The second one, a second proverb is pray to your father who hears you. And that's in verse 29. <clears throat> the Lord is far from the wicked. Again, the wicked is the non-believer who is still in their sin. Now they may come across as a nice person. 
the average person probably doesn't think of them as, as wicked, but their, their heart is wicked and that, that comes out. But the point here is God is, by the way, equally near to the righteous and to the wicked in the regards to his omnipresence. Omnipresence means that God is present everywhere at the same time. So in the sense of his omnipresence, he's never far from anyone. But that's not what this is talking about. Uh, this is talking about the fact that instead it is speaking of being near or far in regards to relationship. As far as the wicked, God is far from the wicked in regards to relationship. He does not hear and answer the per the wicked person's prayers, whether it be they go to church and they pray there, or they are in their daily life and they get into trouble and they cry out, oh God. But if they don't have Christ, they are separated from God. He is not near them in the relationship sense, and he does not hear and answer their prayer, um, unless they repent of their sin and trust Christ and become a child of God, uh, then they will be heard. But unless they do that, they will not be heard. And at, at the point a person becomes a child of God, what a difference that relationship with God has become. Instead of him being far, he's near. He's their father, and uh, so on. So this verse says, the Lord is far from the wicked, but he hears the prayer of the righteous. The child of God can go to God in prayer about anything, and he can go at any time, day or night. There's never a time uh, that he is not near. He is not there to hear, and he loves to hear the prayers of his people. So the believer can bring anything to God in prayer, and God promises to hear. Uh, Hebrews 4.16 has a wonderful promise on, on that. And when we ask anything that is in accordance with his will, we have a promise that he hears. Turn over to 1 John chapter 5, verses 14 and 15. So, he hears uh, his his children praying as they pray, but the promise for hearing and answering is yes, he hears the prayer of his child, but the answer is to be according to God's will. And so, if we ask something that is not God's will, uh, he has said. I don't answer that. Now, he doesn't answer it in the sense of giving you what you have asked for. He answers it from the standpoint of saying no. And when he says no, it's it's always to accomplish his purpose. There's a purpose why it's not good for us to have that. But turn to 1 John chapter 5, uh, verses 14 and 15. And this is the confidence that we have towards him that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. 
And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the requests that we have asked of him. That is a wonderful promise in Scripture. And I know sometimes uh, it, it happens to me, I'm sure it happens to you, that um, we don't see the answer right away. And sometimes we get discouraged and think, well, maybe, maybe, maybe there's just nothing to this. But God knows what he's doing. And there are times when it is the best thing for him to not grant that. There's times when it's the best thing for him not to grant it right now, but he grants it later. But uh, he does hear and answer. Now, that promise in verse 29, he hears the prayer of the righteous. So when we repent and we believe, we are given the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And so therefore, we can be called the righteous. And the day comes when we go to be with the Lord and we have access into the very presence of God because we have the righteousness of Christ. God is holy, and nothing unholy can come into his presence. And you and I know that we have been unholy. We were born unholy. But something now has happened as we become a child of God, and we have the righteousness of Christ. And therefore, we are told we can come boldly into his presence. And the Bible promises that he is near to us and he hears. Turn over to Psalm 145. A wonderful promise. Psalm 145, <clears throat> verses 18, 19, and 20. Psalm 145, verse 18. Look at this promise. The Lord is near to all who call on him. Now this is talking about a believer. It's not saying he's near to the wicked person, but to the believer. The Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. Now, the wicked person doesn't call on him in truth. So we've got that cleared up. He fulfills the desire of those who fear him. This is a believer as well. Have a reverence for God or have an awe for God. He also hears their cry and saves them. Uh, certainly has saved them spiritually, but also saves them in the sense of delivers them out of trials and afflictions. The Lord preserves all who love him, and that is eternally. There's a wonderful doctrine in scripture, the, pres the preservation of the saints. God preserves his children to, to the very end. But all the wicked... He will destroy. But uh, what a wonderful promise those verses are in conjunction with this particular proverb in Proverb of 1529. <clears throat> then, uh, so in light of what God says, why don't I pray more? Um, that's a question each one of us needs to ask. The more we see the promises of God, why don't we pray more? And uh, we'll talk, if we have time, in a little bit. Um, certainly, there's the aspect of our, um, Scripture says, pray without ceasing. In other words, constantly during the day, we're turning to the Lord. We 
can be driving. We can be uh, taking a test. We can be doing whatever, and we turn to the Lord in prayer. There's also to be times when we are devoted to prayer, when we've shut other things out and we're spending time in prayer. And in light of this, I would just encourage each one of us to ask ourselves, why don't I spend more time devoted to prayer? Um, in my particular uh, life, I have uh, every morning a, a particular prayer time. But uh, in recent weeks, I've also had a devoted prayer time uh, later on in the day. And that has been a real blessing. And I would just encourage you, uh, don't just be satisfied, well, well, I have that prayer time in the morning or so, but look towards when other times can you have a time of devoted prayer. Well, our third proverb is seek to be a sharer of good news, and that's in verse 30. <clears throat> this is an interesting one. Verse 30, the light of the eyes rejoices the heart. Now, when he's talking about the light of the eyes, he's talking about a light in the eyes of people that we meet. You know, there, there are people that walk into the room or all of a sudden you, you see and, and you just see a light in their eyes. It's just, there's a, there's a joy. There's not uh, dread or fear or worry, but there's a, a, a joy, a delight. Uh, that is what he's talking about in the people that we meet. And so the sign of a joyful, contented person is light in their eyes instead of worry and anxiety and bitterness is not filled with anger. And uh, that joy and contentment comes for the believer as we are walking with the Lord and in the fruit of the Holy Spirit. And there will be a light, even in dark times. And we will go through rough times. But there can be that light in the eyes even in the midst of that, if we are rooted and grounded in the fact that our God is omnipotent, our God has all power, and he knows what he's doing. Um, but then he goes on uh, that uh, this person, the light of the eyes, rejoices the heart. So rejoices the heart of the person who comes in contact with them. So you're in this situation, this person comes into your presence, and they, there's just this joy uh, in, in their eyes, and you'll find it delights you. I'm sure you've seen that and, ha and had that. Then he goes a step further from that in the next part of the proverb, and good news refreshes the bones. It's always great to get new, good news, right? hate to get bad news, but it's great to get good news. And there's some, some wonderful examples in Scripture of people getting good news, and it just rejoices, it revives them, as it were. For instance, in the book of Philippians, Paul talks about uh, a, a wonderful brother in Christ, Epaphroditus, from the Philippian church, has made his way to Rome, where Paul is, is in prison. And uh, Paul is just delighted to see him. 
And he has good news. Paul can learn about Lydia. Remember the first woman that came to faith in Europe happened to be there in Philippi and, and uh, her family. And then there's the jailer that came to faith in Philippi and Paul learns how they're doing spiritually and and all of these things and 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 it's, so you just read that in Philippians that just just raised Paul's spirits um Dorian has been teaching in Genesis now on the subject in the section of Genesis about Joseph and his brothers and a little farther than he is right now um <clears throat> the brothers are going to go home and tell Jacob Joseph is alive. Now you talk about good news. And it's interesting that in Genesis 45, verses 27 and 28, it says the spirit of their father, Jacob, revived. Interesting terminology. All those years he was down, but good news came and he uh, revived. So we all know the power of good news. Now Solomon here is probably... Uh, referring, has in his mind specifically, the good news that God forgives sinners. Because interwoven in these verses have been the, the words about the wicked. And so I, I think he is really having in mind that good news that the wicked, their sins can be forgiven. And they can have righteousness. They can have uh, eternal life. And that is a tremendous reminder for us that uh, the good news refreshes the bones. And we'll talk about what that means in a minute. But for instance, in our Sunday worship services, you know, there are people that come without Christ. And the gospel is preached. The word gospel means good news. And it's good news to them that they can have forgiveness through what Christ has done on the cross. Uh, we can be sharing with people that good news, that they can have forgiveness. That is that is the very best of, of good, good news. Now, the message of the cross and the resurrection is the very greatest news uh, in all the world. Uh, there's a famous verse in Romans 10, verse 15. Uh, remember in Romans 10, he has a wonderful promise about whoever calls upon the Lord shall be saved. But how shall they call unless they hear the message? How can they hear the message unless someone is sent with the message? And at that point in Romans 10, verse 15, Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, quotes the book of uh, Isaiah, chapter 52, verse 7, and says, How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. Uh, that's the same picture. Uh, this is good news. So even the feet of the person that's traveled here to tell me, how, how beautiful. No, you know, no one would say feet are the most beautiful part of the body. But when they have traveled to come and give you the good news, uh, that that's that's a metaphor. And but the full verse in Isaiah that he quotes says, "How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news, who publishes peace, uh, peace with God." And when we have the peace with God, we have the peace in our heart, and we have peace with others. Who brings good news of happiness? That's tremendous news. Who publishes salvation? 
who says to Zion, your God reigns. And that is great news. And so he's, he's just full of good news. And he says, so sharing the gospel is, is a means of uh, seeing this in action. But let's see what he says that sharing that good news does. He says it re- refreshes the bones. Now, I have never said to anyone else, oh, my bones are refreshed. I might say my bones hurt or something, but I've never said my bones are refreshed. Well, in Hebrew, because remember, Proverbs was originally written in Hebrew, uh, it's even a little more unusual to us in the Hebrew, and that is literally makes fat. See, in their culture, the idea of... of um, well, it's to make fat. It's it's a figure figurative expression for physical refreshment and encouragement that revives our sagging spirit. So, thinness is in our culture. Everyone wants to be thinner, and there's good reasons for that, of course. But in that culture, they weren't so much interested in getting thinner. They saw fat as Meaning, well, this person, you know, they, he's well supplied and, uh, he's, he's getting along fine and so on. And so there became a metaphor for getting along fine inwardly and being rejoicing, uh, in the spirit. So the point of this, there is a point of it. We are to, uh, always seek to be sharer a sharer of good news, and thus be a person who causes them to be refreshed in their spirit. As a believer, that is something that we should want, that that we would be an instrument that God would use to refresh people who need refreshing. Here are some of the ways we can do it. Certainly, it begins with giving the gospel to the non-believer. That's the top of the list of what will refresh them. Also, blessing others by meeting needs that you see in their lives. There are so many people with so many needs. And when we, when we see that and know that there is a way we can meet those needs and we do that, that revives them, that refreshes them. Or affirming evidences of God's grace you see in others' lives. They may be discouraged, feel like they're not making much progress spiritually, and yet you see some things where they have grown and God is doing in their life, and you affirm that, and that brings joy and refreshing. Or make a phone call, send an email, write a note to encourage someone. So I ask, who have I shared good news with and encouraged this week and ask you to ask that of yourself? Who of you shared good news with? Could be the good news of the gospel or other aspects of good news. And uh, encouraged this week. That's what this proverb is saying. The wise person will be doing that. Then we have our fourth proverb. It's two verses together. Appreciate the faithful word of rebuke. That is in verses 31 and 32. Look at verse 31. The ear that listens to life-giving reproof. Uh, this is more than physically physical long life. 
this is abundant life, life to the full. Jesus talked about that in John 10.10. 10. He says, I'm come that they might have life. King James Version says that they might have it more abundantly, or some translations translate to the full. Not just physical life, but inward life, abundant life, eternal life. And uh, so in this uh, proverb, the ear that listens to this um, life-giving uh, reproof. Uh, see, by by nature, we are unteachable. We're born into this world with a sin nature, and we say, I, I don't need this person's help. I'm fine. And then we come to salvation, regenerated by the power of the Holy Spirit. We've seen our sin and so on. And the more we grow in our Christian life, the more we see, boy, I have more areas that need to become like Jesus Christ. And God does a work of bringing reproof to our life. He does it through his word. We're reading in his word. And then things the spirit of God impresses on us. Hey, this is something you need to work on. This is something you need to do. You, you've, got, you've got a ways to go with this. Sometimes he does that through, uh, as we're reading the word. Other times, he's using a godly person, a godly person who is an instrument of the Lord, and is able to come alongside us, and not harshly, but very gently, is able to point out, you know, this is an area in your life that needs to change, needs to grow. And uh, this becomes a, a very, very important thing for us to listen to. Uh, one of the tools that God uses, as I said, is rebuke from his word and from another believer. Turn to the book of Galatians, chapter 6, verse 1. Galatians, chapter 6, verse 1. Paul writes, brothers, in other words, these are, he's writing to Christians here. If anyone is caught in any transgression, transgression there is referring to sin. So here he's talking about a person who is tempted to sin, and then sin catches them. They, they yield to that sin, which shows they've been caught by sin, as it were. They failed to be on guard. Uh, he says, so you know someone who's in that predicament. You who are spiritual, that is, a believer, you're a believer. It's in the context from the latter part of chapter 5 of being spiritual in the sense of being filled with spiritual fruit. The fruit of the Spirit is being seen in our life and is evident. So, you who are spiritual should restore him. Uh, that Greek word, New Testament, is written in Greek. Restore means to restore to the former condition. And we have Greek writings, non-biblical Greek writings, that use that word uh, for, for instance, setting a broken bone. You go to the doctor, you have a broken bone, the doctor sets it. He restores that bone to the position that it was in. It was used of a fisherman, 
um, mending their nets. The nets got torn. Uh, that's how they fished in the time of the New Testament was using nets. You see that in the Gospels with the disciples and the net would be put down, bring up fish would come. But if it had tears, the fish could get out of the net. And so when, when they were uh, on the on the shore, they would examine their nets and the tears they would mend. And this is the word that is used here. So we help to restore this believer to their former condition as we help them recognize their sin and urge them to confess their sin and to turn. So all of this is involved back in Proverbs 15, uh, 31, with this life-giving reproof. And, oh, by the way, and back there in Galatians, I know we turned from a bit, it says, do this with gentleness. Uh, don't be, don't be harsh. That's not the fruit of the Spirit, but with gentleness, which is listed among the fruit of the Spirit. But he continues. The ear that listens to life-giving reproof will dwell among the wise. That's where God wants us to be. So we're helping this fellow believer to grow in wisdom and dwell among the wise. Then in verse 32, whoever ignores instruction. So ignores, that's a willful ignoring of the available instruction that God is giving us from his word plus fellow believers encouraging us, the person who ignores instruction despises himself. That means he doesn't place much value on his soul. He's saying, well, that's no big deal. With God, it is a big deal. And he doesn't place much value on his soul. So the ear... um, The person who ignores instruction despises himself, but he who listens to reproof. That is, uh, that word listen to reproof, listen here and many other places in scripture, is not just hear the sounds, but hear and put into practice what it says. And... uh, So then he says something kind of unique here. He who listens to reproof, ESV says, gains intelligence. Now, the problem with this particular phrase, and different translators have done different things with it, the Hebrew word that's translated intelligence here is simply the word for heart. And uh, so, for instance, the Legacy Standard Bible, a very good new translation of the Bible, translates this, a heart of wisdom. And I like that. Uh, Listens to reproof, gains a heart of wisdom. That is a very important statement uh, for us. Now, the word heart here, as we've seen, isn't, used for the physical organ, but it's a word picture of our inner person. And it's used, this word heart is used so many times in the book of Proverbs. And what is the heart? Let's just, let's just review. We've seen it before, but it's the place where our actions originate. They originate in the heart. It's the place where our thoughts and our words originate. It's the place where our intentions and our motives originate. It's the place where our emotions originate. 
It's the place where our worship originates. In other words, it's mission control for us. Mission control in the sense of NASA. Uh, when they send astronauts up, they have mission control. And mission control is looking at everything and directing, okay, now is the time for you to push this lever. Now is the time for you to start your landing. Now is the time to do this and do that. We have a mission control as a person. That's our heart. And this is why, as a believer, our heart has, has been made new. We've been given a new heart is the promise of the new covenant in the Bible. And that's why we need to feed this new heart, that is, with the truth of God. And uh, it's it's a tremendous, tremendous uh, promise. And so that's why uh, we need to do something Proverbs had said earlier, and that is to keep our heart. That is to guard our heart. The, the enemy is trying to bombard our heart with the... Um, the desires of the world, the desires of the flesh, and, uh, and, and sin. And so we need to guard our heart and to fill it with God's word. Well, I think we'll leave uh, the last proverb for tonight till next time. But let's just kind of wrap this up, thinking of these uh, four proverbs that we've seen. The first one, just to remind us, Instead of responding to people, whether they've been speaking words of criticism, praise, complaining, instead of responding with the first thing that comes to your mind, determine to think and pray about what God would have you, how God would have you respond. Think and pray and, and consider. Then the second proverb, have I made prayer and a, a, a part of my heart? Have I made it a habit, a part of my daily life? And put more times devoted to prayer in, in your schedule. And then daily meditate on Philippians 4, 6, which says, In everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. That's Philippians 4, 6. And then First Thessalonians 5, 17. Pray without ceasing, to put those into practice in our life. And then um, the third of the Proverbs tonight, think of people the Lord would have you share the gospel with. And then bless others by meeting their needs that you see in their lives. And affirm the evidences of God's grace that you see in others' lives. And then lastly, use your tongue and use your pen to bring joy, to refresh the bones. Make a phone call. Write a note. Send an email. Who would God have you do that to, even before this week is over? And then the last proverb we saw tonight, prayerfully and carefully evaluate words of correction and rebuke from others, and apply those you believe to be from the Lord, that we would be sharpened, we would be further conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. Important Proverbs. 
But last of all, to remember that these Proverbs are principles of godly living for the believer. And if you're not a believer, if you're not a child of God, uh, you can't even begin to apply these without first coming and repenting of your sin and trusting Jesus Christ as your Savior. Let's pray. Father, how we do thank you for your word. We thank you for telling us over and over again that we need wisdom. And we thank you for this entire book in the Old Testament presenting different aspects of wisdom to us. Father, we pray that we would apply uh, these things tonight. <clears throat> and again, we pray for Pastor Steve and Josiah, that they would be feeling much better as the night goes on and able to start the trip tomorrow to take Carice back to college. And we just commit them to you. And thank you again for bringing us together. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.